this is Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Vivian Campbell, guitarist for Def Leppard. Vivian, how are you? Very well, thank you, Joe. There you go. Whenever I talk to guitar players, I'm always interested in in what they're jamming on these days. Now, being that you put an album out uh, a couple years ago of blues covers, I'm guessing that's the kind of stuff you might jam on in in your free time, is that right? Yeah, that and pop music, actually, because I love to sing. You know, I find singing to be very cathartic for the soul. So I, I love to just wander around the house <clears throat> playing my acoustic guitar and annoying my children <laughs> by playing Beatles and Crowded House songs. Um, but yeah, when I go out and play, I, I generally tend to play blues. There's a couple of really nice um, blues clubs uh, here in Los Angeles where I live, and um, you know they have open nights, and you can just go and sign up and just be some faceless, anonymous guitar player. You know, it's, it's great. You never know what you're going to get, you know, who you're going to play with. Now, talk to me about how you incorporate the blues into um, heavy metal. Because well, into, into Def Leppard, it's very difficult, because Def Leppard is not a blues band at all, you know. Um, having said that, I mean, the, the great majority of, of the classic Def Leppard songs that we perform live predates my being with the band. I joined Def Leppard 16 years ago after the death of Steve Clark. And um, <clears throat> certainly, uh, you know, Power Mania and Asteria were Def Leppard's biggest albums and most popular albums. And, and that's still, the, the songs from those records still make up probably 75% of our live show. So I'm playing a lot of uh, what Steve Clark brought to the band. Um, and what, what Clarky played as a soloist was very thematic and very melodic. Um, so I, I generally tend to stick within that. Um, in our live shows, there's only really one part where I get to go freeform, and that's at the end of the song, Love Bites, where I get to do a, a solo that I, I basically get my little blues licks in there. Um, in the more modern uh, era, Def Leppard songs that I've been involved in since 1992, uh, I, I definitely just bring more of a blues style to it. I mean, there's, there's no mistaking who's playing the guitar solo. I mean, Phil Collins style is very, very different from mine, even though we do share some similar influences. Um, my first guitar hero was such, the first guy that I actually tried to emulate as a player was Rory Gallagher. And right. I, I learned most of my particular habits from him, good or bad. In previous bands, in Dio and in Whitesnake, you've played with two very strong personalities, and some would say maybe dictators. I imagine working with Joe Elliott, things are a bit different. Yeah, and that was the beauty of it. I remember in 1987 when I was playing with version 37C of Whitesnake, um, I remember going to see Def Leppard, and that was the first time I saw the band when Steve Clark was still alive, obviously. And I could just sense, even though I hadn't met them at this stage, I was just standing in the back of the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit watching the show, and you could just get a sense that these guys were really a band, that they had so much more in common. They were all of the same age within a few years. Um, they all kind of looked similar. I mean, you could tell they kind of grew up together, whereas the, the version of Whitesnake that I was in at the time had myself, an Irishman, an Englishman, uh, a Cuban, a Texan, and a Dutchman, you know, on our age spanned over 20 years. So it was, um, you know, it, it was difficult to find common points of reference other than the music and, and it was the same with Dio you, you know I uh, it was like being in a band with your dad being in Dio from, because I was only 20 when I joined that band and right. um, 
you know, Ronnie was a lot older than me, and I actually lived with him for, for many months in L.A., and it was very uncomfortable because I had nothing in common with him other than the music. You know, I couldn't find these common points of reference with which to have a conversation. So with Leopard, it's very, very different, and, and the audition process that, that I went through prior to joining Def Leopard was was as much to do with my personality as it was to do with my playing or singing or, or songwriting. It was They wanted to know if I was the kind of guy that could fit with the band, and they had a very specific uh, set of criteria that they were looking for in, in this guitar player to replace Steve Clark. Um, you know, they wanted someone who had to be British, and I do hold a British passport being from Belfast, which is the north of Ireland. Okay. Um, but they also wanted someone of a similar age, and, and I'm the same age as, uh, I'm actually in between Rick Allen, who's the youngest, and I think Rick Savage. So, you know, we're all within a few years age of each other, and we all grew up at the same time. We were all weaned on the same media, the same popular culture. We all cut our teeth on Mark Boland and T-Rex and the glam rock era in the early 70s, and we listened to Radio Luxembourg and, and Radio 1 as kids and watched Top of the Pops on BBC One on Thursday night and the old Grey Whistle Test on a Tuesday evening on BBC Two, you know, and read the same comic books I mean, we, and watched football and wanted to be footballers until we saw, um, you know, th- these glam rock heroes on Top of the Pops and, and that's what shaped our lives. Um, so... That, that was important for me, too. For Joining Def Leppard was really like a homecoming to me. I, I always felt that if I were born in Sheffield instead of Belfast, I, I probably would have been in Def Leppard from day one. I would have met Joe and Sav, and I would have been in there. I really feel at home with it. Not that we can take everything on Wikipedia as a fact, but I, I read that you were fired from Whitesnake because of a negative attitude. Is that true? Um... Well, I don't, I don't see how that's really possible. Because I was only with Whitesnake for less than two years, and I've been with Leopard for 16, going on 17 years. So if I had a negative attitude, I would have thought I would have been fired already many, many years ago. But, but that's an interesting point, because prior to joining Leopard, I had been in Dio, I'd been fired, I'd been in Whitesnake, I'd been fired. I did have a reputation in the industry of, of being difficult to work with and not being able to keep a job. And I'd like to say that the time has, has proven that wrong, you know? It was just a question of the right people. Um, David Coverdale can be a difficult person to work with, and, and most lead singers are. I mean, when you get someone who, who, is, who, is, uh, who has complete control over a situation where it's absolutely 100% their band, then chances are people are not going to feel a part of that and they're going to migrate after a while you know it's going to be a revolving door which white snake has been you know i mean you throw a, a rock in the air and you're bound to hit someone who's been in white snake yeah. at some stage you know there's been so many musicians through it um and and with Dio, it was the same kind of thing i mean it was ostensibly it was presented as a band and and jimmy bain and myself wrote a lot of the music on those first three albums but you know we were salaried guys I and mean, we were earning less than our road crew um for for the first three years and and that was the the issue that i took to ronnie and that's what got me fired so you know i don't think that that's a bad attitude you know um, i was promised equity in a situation and and that promise wasn't delivered and, and i was the first to call file and i was the first to get fired you know it, with, with white snake it was just a, a set of circumstances that was difficult i i wasn't uh, permitted to write with Whitesnake, and, and so that was the first 
um, thing that, that got me thinking, okay, well, this is not going to be a long-term proposition. And I'd also just gotten married in 1987, which is the, the year I joined Weissnick, and, and my wife and Tony Katian didn't get along very well, and I, w- I was told that my wife wasn't welcome to visit me on the road, and, and you know, I'd just gotten married and stuff, and I, I knew that that was an untenable situation, so, you know, if, if that's, if that's <laughs> interpreted as a bad attitude, so be it, you know. This summer, you're going to be co-headlining headlining arenas with White Snake. That can be awkward. No, not at all. Because Def Leppard are closing the show, so as long as uh, they're going on before us, I have no issues with it at all. Um, and actually, I, I hadn't seen David Coverdale for many years, and uh, we did some European festivals together two or three years ago, and that was the first time I'd seen him since. And you know, I, I just I'm not one to harbor grudges. I just you know, life's too short for that shit. And and. I'm very happy where I am, and I hope he's happy doing what he's doing. And he's got a great band at the moment. Doug Aldridge is playing guitar for him, who's a, a phenomenal guitar player and a really, really nice guy. And, and you know, the band sounded great. And, you know, it, it's business, and I certainly have no issues with it whatsoever. I, I think if it were Dio, it would be more difficult for me because I really had an emotional investment in Dio. I really believed in what I was doing. And uh, I wrote a lot of that music, and it means something to me. Um, with Whitesnake, I never got a chance to write, so I have no emotional attachment. It was just a job, you know. Let's talk about the new album. Now, you have a country song on this record with Tim McGraw. I know you Well, not quite. Okay. Tim McGraw is a country artist, but the song is anything but country. It's more a case of Tim McGraw going rock than it is of Def Leppard going country. I hear you, and I know the lines are blurring a little bit, so... Well, they certainly are, and they have been for a few years. I mean, you listen to uh, the production values of any modern country record, and or even go to see that modern country show, and it's like 1987, you know? It's like <laughs> Whitesnake or Motley Crue or Def Leppard or whatever. It's like a big rock show, and, you know, there's reverb on the drums, and there's layered guitars and vocals on the records, and, you know, it's, it is what it is. The, the uh, rock ceased to become about the spectacle in the 90s with, with the advent of grunge music, you know, rock became very um, self-reflective, and, and bands didn't put on big shows anymore, and they stood on stage and, and stared at their shoes and sang about heroin and how they hated life. You know, and that's rock in the 80s was celebrating life. It was about exuberance and joy and, uh, and escapism, and that's what Def Leppard has always been about. And, and you know, country music... I uh, basically saw the void here and said, well, hey, you know, if you guys ain't going to celebrate life, we are, and, and God bless them for it, you know. But uh, I think things have changed. I mean, certainly for us, I mean, uh, as a touring band, our, our live show has been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm glad to say over the last five years with every tour, because, you know, we kind of peeked out from behind the 90s and said, okay, it's safe to be who we are again, you know. It's safe to, to be a joyous, big arena rock band and... and uh, you know, frankly, I don't think there's many bands can do it as well as Def Leppard. So uh, we're we're reveling in it. Um, and 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 Tim McGraw, he stepped up to the plate as, as a rock singer. I mean, he he has this little southern drawl thing going on in the first verse of the song Nine Lives, where it's unmistakably Tim. But to be honest, as soon as it, the the song kicks into gear, I mean, I had a hard time telling the difference between Tim and and Joe Elliott when I first heard. I actually called Joe in Dublin. I said, Hey, oh, where's Tim? And he said, that's him singing on this line, and that's me on this line. But, you know, Tim was doing such a good job uh, as a rock singer that it it really made it difficult for me. You have three songs on the album that you wrote yourself. Is that because you prefer to write alone, or do you ever work with uh, the band as a writer? Well, traditionally in the past, we've always 
written songs to whatever extent, either just half songs or completed songs or whatever, and we've brought them to each other, and then we've proceeded to try and reinvent the wheel by tearing them apart and always thinking that no matter how good or how complete any particular song was, that collectively we could make it better. And sometimes we did, and a lot of times we didn't. A lot of times we, we made them worse. <laughs> so for whatever reason on this record, I think probably because we really want to work a lot quicker, we decided when we got together to do the record, we sat down and we realized that we had about 13 or 14 or 15 completed songs, so we just picked the best 11 of them and went with that. So that's why there's not so much collaboration on this record, but personally I think it makes it a bit more interesting because I think that all the principal writers in Def Leppard, between us we have so much uh, experience of, of making records and writing songs over the years that, that I, I honestly think that we're well capable of doing it, and I think it, it adds a bit more depth and more variety to the record while still having a Def Leppard sound because everything we do still features all of us on vocals and all of us playing our instruments, so it'll always sound like a Def Leppard record. And I think it makes it more, gives it more scope lyrically when we, when we write a few more songs individually because we come from different places and we don't try and write by committee. And I think that that's generally been a thing about Def Leppard lyrics in the past, that they've been dumbed down, so to speak, because they've been done by committee. Whereas on this record, there's a, there's some, more, some of the lyrics are a lot more personal because they've come from individuals. Like I know that Phil had a, a song that was inspired by the death of his father. Right. a couple of years ago and you know that that wouldn't have happened had we sat down to write that as a band you know now what, what I, I have one song that, that I wrote that was inspired by my being in the band by the death of Steve Clark and then so many other you know icons to me who, who you know died far too soon you know and that kind of inspired me to write a little tune there too but it, it's interesting and, and you know for, for me as the, the relative new guy in the band I should also say that it is probably a bit more difficult for me than it is for Phil or Sav or Joe to write a Def Leppard song because I haven't been in the band since day one. I've been in other bands and I have very different influences that it's it's often difficult for me to sit down and try to write for Def Leppard. I'm not that good a writer where I can write to order. I tend to just write whatever comes out and then it's a, a case of trying to make it fit the Def Leppard format and, and unfortunately a lot of my songs don't. And you know, a great many of them never see the light of day with Leopard because of that. So, um, but but that is what it is, you know. In this case, um, you know, fortunately for me, the songs were accepted as is. So, does Joe Elliott ever change your lyrics? Joe, yeah, he sings my lyrics. It, it's the, the difficulty Joe has is not in singing lyrics that I bring to the band. The difficulty that Joe has is uh, phrasing it the same way because I, I tend to also not only play guitar from a blues point of view, but my singing is probably a bit more blues influenced than, than Joe's is. Um, so I, I phrase things very, very differently than how Joe would. And I think Joe uh, would probably be the first to tell you that he, he probably finds it easier to sing, aside from his own songs, obviously, he probably finds it easier to sing songs that Phil writes or that Sav writes, as opposed to the ones that I write, because my, my vocal phrasing tends to be very different. Your solo on the song, Cruise Control is pretty bluesy. Um, how do you construct and, and compose your solos? Traditionally, I've never <laughs> constructed them at all. I've been a total fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants guitar player, and to a certain extent, I still am, although I'm getting a little bit more, as I get older, I'm getting a little bit more to the stage where I, I tend to try and at least, if not sit down and actually play something, at least try and imagine it in my head before I pick up the guitar. Um, 
Whereas in the past, like the, the very first solo, this is a great example and actually the ultimate example for me. The very first solo I ever put on record for Dio was uh, Rainbow in the Dark on the Holy Diver record. So I was 20 years of age in L.A. doing my first album, really, really nervous about doing the guitar solo. And, and uh, I can't remember what day it was, but we were in the studio in L.A. And, and I knew that I was going to have to do the solo on Rainbow in the Dark that night. And I knew it was an A minor. And that's all I'd planned. I didn't think about what I was going to play other than I knew it was an A minor. So I sat all day. I used to smoke cigarettes back then, unfortunately. And so I'd be drinking coffee and smoking cigarettes and playing every lick that I knew in A minor. And then when it came time that evening to do the solo, uh, the one that's on the record is the very, very first take. And uh, it's one take. And that was it. And then Ronnie, after I'd done it, Ronnie said, wow, that was great. Try another one. So I tried another one, and because I didn't want to repeat myself, I started to think about it too much, and I started trying to do something totally different, and consequently it wasn't as good. And he says, oh, okay, try another one. And again, I tried a third one, and I tried to do something different still, and so it got even worse. So he said, okay, the first one is fantastic. We're keeping that. But that's traditionally the method that I've applied through my career. But the, the problem with that is you can't always be that inspired, you know? Um, so oftentimes you fall on your on your, your face and it doesn't work. Um, so in recent years, I, I try and, like I say, not so much play the performance prior to recording it, but I would try and hear it in my head. I'd certainly listen to what it, to the music over and over again uh, before I actually pick up the guitar and play something. Uh, and the one in Cruise Control, I actually did here at home, as was the solo I did on Gotta Let It Go. I, I did them at home on my Pro Tools direct through uh, an Avalon preamp and using Amp Farm in Pro Tools. They were both done really, really quick because uh, when, when I work at home, I just, you know, I, I bang it out. It's nothing too polished at all. Um, but, but sometimes that's better. And, and in fact, that, that's something I should also say. When it comes to doing guitar solos for records, I do actually prefer to be alone and be my own engineer. Most likely because I, I really don't know what I'm doing and I, I kind of get very self-conscious if there's an audience. You know, even if it's only one or two people. So I prefer to be on my own. Vivian, thank you for spending some time with me. My pleasure, Joe. It's been great. This is uh, Joe Basso from Music Radar, the place for music makers. And I've been speaking with Vivian Campbell, guitarist for Def Leppard. Uh, again, thank you very much. <laughs>